Good afternoon. Gifts are all in the presentation. So if I throw it at you, it's not a gift. And you don't take it as a gift. And what I'm doing this morning is trying to wrap up a present for you, a gift, that I want you to receive with all of the love and compassion and heartfulness that I have, that you listen and you accept and you absorb what it is that you're capable of doing. I don't even know whether this is a red, blue, red bow or a blue bow. You know, I don't know. I can't decide. We watched uh, Panyawada and I binged on a documentary last night about Swami Ramdev. Now, for those who are not familiar with him, and I wasn't until I saw the series, he was a delete, an untouchable, growing up and growing through that whole system of caste. And watching it from my perspective, I initially couldn't accept the fact that those of the Brahmin caste could not develop a sensitivity to those of the untouchable caste. But as I watched and thought and reflected and turned it over in my heart. One of the things that I realized was we can't know something without experiencing something. We can't know what it feels like without experiencing what it feels like. So this got me into searching for and talking to Panyawadi about why do we drop into a reality where we drop into a reality? Um, why do we come in as Europeans or Africans or Asians or Arabs? Why do we drop in where we drop in? And this has to do with stuff that we just don't understand yet about karma and coming back because you did this before and you know. And so we're not going to dialogue on that today because that's incomprehensible until you really understand what that all of that is and you to understand it you've got to see it. And to see it you've got to be awakened. But suffice to say there's a part of the dilemma of existence that begs us to, to understand and research why we are who we think we are. Why did we come in as a male or female? 
And then we have males who come in as males and want to be females and females who want to be males. So even when we come in, we're not really sure, we're not really satisfied as to whether this is the thing we really want to be. We were looking at a, another documentary about a woman who was white who wanted to be black, the Rachel woman up in Seattle, Washington. You know, so, and then you have obviously all of the examples of people who've come into this reality as being of African descent who wanted to be white. And they call that passing. So, that part of it is confusing. You know, and so we'll leave that where it is. But what I want to bring you to is a is a juncture, an intersection, a place of reflection, a place of mindfulness that gives us the pause to ask our question to ourselves as to what we want to do next. You know, because we're always affronted with the question well, what do we do when a baby koala is raped by Godzilla? You know, how do we address that situation? Well, the baby koala must have been Godzilla in the past. You see, that's one way of looking at it. But the bottom, bottom line resolution is Should I address the situation, this immediate situation, with the same aggression and the same energy that I see presented in the experience? Or do I do something different? And this practice says you do something different. So, are you following me? In all of the 84,000 teachings that the Buddha left us with, the one that is my favorite is the Kalama Sutta. Because it instructs us on how it is that we should behave in the moment, in any situation that confronts us. We think about, or I think about, privilege, racism, sexism, ageism, all the isms. And I wonder how people embrace them, how they're okay with them. There's this peace that's missing for me to be okay with something that just doesn't wash. We
I'm trying to be very careful how I craft this because I don't want to want you to feel like I'm poking you in the chest with my finger. That's not what this is about. It's not about an attack. It's not about a judgment. It's not about a condemnation. It's about simply helping us all understand how to respond in the moment to the experience that we have. And so, we can look at the status quo. We can observe all of the wars that are being fought. We can see how they are being defined. So, ISIS and Boko Haram and others who are defined by others as terrorists see themselves as correctors of a situation. They see themselves as doing something about an injustice. Now, what we're really trying to address, or what I'm really trying to address, is why is it that it is easy to see the injustice of the actions of others but we're unable to see the injustice of the actions that we project from ourselves. And I, and on a simplistic level, it looks like it's in linguistics. In other words, terrorism versus racism. So you hear people who say, you're racist. And we say, oh, no, I'm not racist. But what they're really saying is that you're terrorists. Because anyone who comes into someone's house and drags them out and hangs them, that's a terrorist. But we don't quite see it that way because we live in a paradigm or we accept a paradigm that says, God says it's okay. That I have a manifest destiny because I believe in self and other. And as long as we embrace that institution of self and other, then I can always excuse my opinions about the other, because I'm not saying this. God is saying this. So we go back to the untouchables and the caste system. That as long as we see others as different, 
as long as we see others as others, we, we are vulnerable to the disease that doesn't allow us to embrace. We don't understand, we as Americans, don't understand why another group of people can hate us for being Americans. We say to ourselves, I didn't do anything to them. Why do they hate me? Why do they bomb me? Why do they terrorize me? Because they see us as different. But then, as we explore and we try to understand why this dynamic is really occurring, we see, well, I did the same thing to others. Whether you talk about wounded knee or the colonization of many nations, many groups of people, because we wanted to explore their resources, whether we talk about South America, the rainforest, the mines, the golds, the oil. We have to ask ourselves, what is it that allows us to step over that line and treat other people indifferently? But we don't understand why other people would treat us the same way. This is the practice. The willingness to investigate. To get past the selfness that, that concretized identity that says, I'm American, I'm white American. I'm privileged. I've been given a mandate. I'm the steward of the earth. If I really believe that I am one with God, that, that God outsources all things, then all things have to be a part of God. And therefore, all things deserve my respect, my kindness, my nurturing. They don't deserve my condemnation. Go back to when we talk about karma and why did I come in this reality as I'm in this reality. We don't know why we came in as males or females or white or black or Asian. We just know that we're here that way. And even when we're that way here, we still don't know whether we want to be what we find ourselves to be. But what we do know is that we don't understand when others treat us indifferently, cruelly. When others hate us for no reason, they don't even know us, they haven't met us, we haven't done anything to them, we don't know them. 
So our resolve, our answer, our resolution is to build walls, keep them out, fight them, beat them down. But this practice gives us an alternative. And all we're saying, if you want to be serious about how you walk the work, how you relate to yourself and to others, here's the way to do it. It says, it is unwise to simply believe what one hears because it has been said over and over again for a long time. It is unwise to follow tradition blindly just because it has been practiced in that way for a long time. Now, of course, Hinduism talks about its longevity, that it's been around forever. That doesn't make it right. This means that it's been around forever. It is unwise to listen to and spread rumors and gossip. It is unwise to take anything as being absolute truth just because it agrees with one's scriptures. It is unwise to foolishly make assumptions without honest investigation to see if they are correct or not. It is unwise to go for mere outward appearance or to hold too lightly to any view or idea because one is comfortable with it. It is unwise to be convinced of anything out of respect or deference to one's spiritual teacher without investigating and practicing what is being taught. It may be a good idea for all of us to go beyond our own opinions, beliefs, and dogmatic thinking. In this way, we can rightly reject anything which, when accepted, practiced, and perfected, leads to more anger, criticism, conceit, frustration, pride, greed, and delusion. That's our filter. These unwholesome states of mind are universally condemned and are certainly not beneficial to ourselves or to others. These unskillful ways of acting and thinking are best to be avoided whenever possible. On the other hand, we can rightly accept anything which, when practiced and perfected, leads to unconditional love, contentment, and soft wisdom. And here's where we get into the questioning. You know, well, how can I love something that's angry? How can I love something that's being violent? How can I love something that's being contradictory? Well, that's what you got to figure out. That's what makes it a hard walk. It would be easy if we were asked to love everyone who loved us, who respected us, who treated us exactly the way we wanted them to be treated, who held us up to the same ideals and stations that we held ourselves up to. It would be easy to love them. But what we are in is a dynamic, a challenge that says, no, it's more than this. 
You got to love the ones who hate you. You've got to love the ones that despise you. You've got to love the ones that persecute you. You've got to love the ones who misunderstand you. You've got to love the ones who do crap that you don't understand. That's what we're asked to do. We're asked to do that because when we do that, we understand more about the the family. We understand more about us and us. It's no longer us and them. It's no longer me and you. There is a dissolution of identity. And a realization that I was just like you. I was in a state of hardness and judgment and hatred and non-acceptance and intolerance. Because you were different. Because you acted a certain way. Because you expressed a certain philosophy. Because you didn't treat me like I wanted you to treat me. So I considered you my enemy. Because God told me to. Or I told me to. Or common sense told me to. Because I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm not going to let you do this to me. But then I was introduced to a practice that said, yeah, all of those thoughts are understandable. Because that's about self-preservation. That's about me lasting longer than you. I'm not going to let you kill me because I'm going to kill you first. I'm not going to let you get me because I'm going to get you first. And it's about losing that identity, that need to protect, so that I can protect you from yourself. This is what the practice is. It's not for everybody. But it's for everybody who's awake. Everybody who wants to be awake. Everybody who's trying to understand why they can't understand where they are. Why they can't make sense of their present moment identity and experience. What's wrong with the other guy? What's wrong with the Palestinian? What's wrong with the Israelis? What's wrong with the Arabs? What's wrong with the Africans? What's wrong with the white people? See, we don't understand. But we don't understand because we don't understand that none of those entities as they are identified exist because there is no self. 
There just is. There is no love and hate. There's just love. And it's not just love. There's just this community, this unity, this absolute mind, this oneness. that embraces and identifies with all things, whether you call it God or higher consciousness or higher mind. But you've got to get past the separateness. And remember the poems of Thich Nhat Hanh when he talks about being the fisherman and the fish, being the rapist and the raped, being the monk and the lay, being the black and the white, being the Arab and the American. You got to get past that idea of difference, of specialness, of privilege, of better than this. And you are encouraged to see the community of the all there is. Not woman, not man, not black, not white, not Asian, not Arab, but just community of isness. Well, I hope I tied that box up with a beautiful ribbon. I really do, because that was my intention. And it is my fault if I didn't. It's not yours. But think about it, reflect on it, and just be mindful of when you come up to those intersections where you think it's okay to treat another badly for any reason. You know, it's like, well, you know, they did wrong, so I can do wrong to them. Now, that's not what this practice says. That's not what any of these practices tell us to do. It says when you get hit on one cheek, turn the other. It doesn't say when you get hit on one cheek, hit them back. It says when you get hit on one cheek, give them the other. When you ask for $2, give them 4 We are asked to extend ourselves beyond our comfort zone. We are asked to give everyone else more than we get ourselves. 
Because that's what we do for family. We sacrifice for them. But we don't sacrifice for them. Because they're different. They're, they live on that side of town. They live in that other country. They live across the ocean. So when you find yourself up against that wall, remember that wall's there because you built it. And it really doesn't exist except in your mind. And when you liberate yourself, when you free yourself from that idea that I am special and I am privileged because I am this, then everything else opens up for you. And there will be peace and freedom and liberation because there's no longer any struggle. Because there is no struggle without you struggling. So what we realize is that it's been us all the time. We've been our own enemy. We've created our own crap. Happy birthday. If anyone would like a copy of the Kalama Sutta, I've got 10. So please come up and get one to remind yourself of why you're really here and what, what, what is there to do. I thank you for being patient and listening. Can I look into your eyes and feel the part of you that's me? For when I do, all aspects of love are true, and the purpose of my life is realized. My heart opens up, I feel oneness, this moment is all there is. Soulful calm, joy and bliss fill this moment. Fill this moment. Can I look into your eyes and feel the part of you that's me? For when I do, all aspects of love are true, and the purpose of my life is realized. My heart opens up, I feel oneness, this moment is all there is. Soulful come, joy and bliss fill this moment. Fill this moment. Now that's what I'm talking about. 
I was thinking all morning, and I could have just come to David and said, sing the song. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you. Mm. Awesome. Is there anyone else who would like to share? So I'm finding um, that whenever I am sitting in a more expansive, joyful, loving state, um, I don't know how to apply discernment. I, I'll more likely reach out to people in my life that I've decidedly taken distance from. Mm -hmm. um, because I feel so loving. Right. And I'm starting to see that there's this pattern during those periods of expansiveness. I'm not reaching out to the people who meet me with that same lovingness. Mm -hmm. So any, um, and then I, so I'm reaching out to people where there's more unskillfulness mm -hmm. happening in their lives. Mm -hmm. And then I, I reap like this period of time where I'm caught up in that um, old habitual relationship again. Mm -hmm. So any wisdom around discerning the wisdom I'm applying to myself right now is it's okay to wait until that state passes and respond to the world rather than initiate. But I don't, anything else you can offer? Well, one of the things that I suggest is that we don't get mad at the scorpion. Do you remember the story about the scorpion and the frog? The frog asked the scorpion, or the scorpion asked the frog to take him across the pond. And the, and the frog said to the scorpion, well, you know, you'll, you might kill me. No, I won't kill you. <laughs> Halfway across the pond, the scorpion stings the frog. And the frog says, why did you do that? And the scorpion said, because I'm a scorpion. The wisdom in that story, in my opinion, is that you don't get mad at the scorpion. You, you knew what the scorpion was. You knew that, that you're dealing with people who are not as awake as you. So you don't get mad at them for being unawakened. That's the point. Well, I love, I don't get mad at the scorpion. I get mad at the frog. <laughs> <laughs> I keep loving the scorpion. And I'm like, is this frog supposed to ask the scorpion? <laughs> Jump on the scorpion's back just because okay, it loves so then, the scorpion. So then the question is, does that make sense? <laughs> because there's neither frog nor scorpion. So if I don't get mad at one, why am I getting mad at the other? See, I'm still creating an other. It doesn't matter whether it's the frog or the scorpion. I've still got that group that I can point to and say that you're doing wrong, that you're not correct, and that you've got to be better, and you've got to be different. Doesn't matter whether I'm pointing to that one or that one, right? I'm still in that sense, that state of judgment and above you ness, right? 
It's about getting over there. You're welcome. I, I just have a question about that story. I thought the moral would be, if a scorpion asks you to take it across the river, don't do it. <laughs> sort of like, but you could not hate it and still not take it across the river. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> don't take the scorpion across. Well, there's Richard. <laughs> Wasn't there really some well, moral in there like that? Like the, well, yeah, uh, but you, you, gotta, you know it's a scorpion. You don't hate it, but you know not to. Yeah, yeah. but then, but then you've got to ask yourself. Well, this is this is where it gets involved and, and and complex, because then you say, yeah, but shit, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> why 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 won't I take the scorpion across the pond? You know, I can do it, and I. And I don't have to do grocery shopping until 3.30. <laughs> so we've got to, I think, question the questions. You know, we've, we've got to see our resistances to involvement and ask ourselves, why are we denying the scorpion a trip? Why are we locked into our idea of what the scorpion is going to do. Why don't we give the scorpion the opportunity to show that the scorpion can be more than a scorpion? That's what we ask. We say, give us another chance. I didn't mean it, you know. Give me another opportunity to prove how much I love you. And every opportunity is an opportunity to prove how much I love you. And how many times have we done the same thing again and again and again and again? Even though we've said, I'm not going to sting you. I'm not going to hurt you. I really love you. I just want to get across to the other side. I just want to have a good time. <laughs> just want to be happy. Just want another beer. <laughs> so we've got to, or I found that it's beneficial to always look at myself and say, have I asked someone else to give me another opportunity, to trust me one more time? And that motivates me then to give the other the same opportunity. All right. You know, so sometimes we think we just have to work on one thing, like let's everybody have a big love fest, you know, because love is all we need. But there, you know, it's like a bird trying to fly with one wing. And so there, uh, we have to, um, embrace the notion that with compassion comes wisdom. We talk about Kuan Yin being the bodhisattva of compassion, but she's the bodhisattva or the emanation of compassion and power. So not just not just compassion alone, but true compassion has a certain capacity 
to see clearly and to act in the manner that's most uh, benefiting for the situ- for the situation. And so with uh, a budding compassion also comes a clear seeing that helps inform us in how what actions to take, how much of it to do, how far to go. That's separate and apart from our perceptions and ideas of uh, feelings around things. So sometimes you can do a thing only if you can do it and still be okay. If not, then don't you do it. Let somebody else do it who can do it. And then if they're not appreciated, still feel okay. You know, or if you want to grow into that place, go ahead and do it and know it's going to hurt because I'm not where I want to be. But as I keep doing that, I start to um, get to that place that I can do it with the full integrity of my intention. You know, this is a it's a it's a scrapping, grappling, grappling way. It's not a get out of jail free card, you know. And so this is what the whole path is about, this learning oneself. And then uh, canceling out, if you will, all these identities that we recognize as who we are and how we act until we become so neutral in the world, so supple, you know, that we can easily bend and sway and then we can be really useful as opposed to being stuck in the rigidity of who we think we are and how we think we uh, have to have to act in every situation, and it gets to be a joy in that, in that walking life out that way, uh, looking for that, you know, uh, really rejoicing when one sees oneself, rejoicing when one knows that there's something that is causing my unhappiness or knows there's something I am doing or thinking or saying that's causing others unhappiness. And seeing how, if we have a different intention for that, how we can realize it, how we can walk it out. Um, and it's, can I tell something? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So she's my she's my guinea pig. She, she she's my student. So I can I can say things. That's that's how that relationship goes. So uh, the other day, Maureen asked me a question. She said, "Do you think that maybe I was a little too forceful in something I said uh, uh, earlier today? Uh, you know, in a group, I said, uh, do you think you were?'" She said. Well, yeah, I kind of, I kind of think. I said, then you're not really asking me a question, are you? And she said, uh, she said, well, no. My question is, um, what should I do about it? Like, what do you think you should do about it? You know, I, because the question already, you know. And so then, uh, so then I, I, you know, I told her, well, okay. So what I think is, when you recognize, you might not recognize it. You know, like you might not have the intention to do it, but something happened or you recognized it while you were doing but you could, like couldn't stop or but now that you reflect or you didn't recognize it until you were reflecting and something's like that's not really the way you know I wanted to express I said so maybe if you really feel that 
And she said, but that, you know, it was something. And I said, the edge of my practice. I said, no, it's not the edge of your, of your practice. It's the center of your practice. I said, the edge of, edge of my practice thing, that's a made-up thing in mindfulness. And Buddha never talked about the edge of the practice. He said, go right to the center. Whatever's rising up, that's what you need to deal with. And so uh, she said, thank you for that. I said, you're welcome. And so then she said... So I said, well, I think that if you really feel this way, then maybe that's your heart speaking. Maybe you should say something to the person. She said, I'll just hold this and do better next time. So I said, okay. And that was it. She called me back an hour later. She said, you know, I made that phone call. <laughs> you know? To, uh, and that's how we do it. You know, we have to make that phone call. Not say next time. We have to make that phone call this time. You know? And 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 that works good when we have uh, unmeaningfully, I can't think of the word, unmeaningfully offended or hurt another or too sharp with another or whatever. But how would you feel? My, my training was, even if it was something they did, they instigated it, they started it, they were like terrible. And I, like, defended myself however, like, maybe, like, said, you know what, you need to step back, something like that. I would have to go back and apologize for being the rough one when it came at me first. I mean, how many times you want to go back and apologize when it was the other person's fault? Not, not, not many. But that's how we develop new habits and new ways of doing something. Then that's really going to the edge of our practice, going to the edge of our practice is when we uh, make the correction and we get to the place that we can actually make it in real time because nothing slays the ego or the identity more than that. Remember the two-year-old who said, they hit me first. They hit me first, right? And this, this is the immature response to why are you doing this to your sister? <clears throat> but what the dialogue is all about and what the practice is all about is about responding with love and kindness. Yeah. And it's a sweet purpose in this song. I'm seeing it more and more and more. There's not many songs that say no, go to the places that scare folks. They, you know, they they don't want them to stop coming. It's not many, but we do. We, we really taking it. I appreciate. Well, one of my good friends came to me the other day and said, "Gee, I don't see I don't see anybody here that I know," meaning that since I've been away, the turnover. But people, people can't always receive the message. But what we're here to do is to love you gently. And it doesn't always feel that way. But remember when I feel poked at? It's because I feel that there's a self to be poked. And so it's always about me first finding out that 
place where I'm not empty, where I'm weighted, so that there's a target that you can assault. But when I'm empty and a part of everything, there's no place that you can attack. There's no place that gets insulted. There's no place that there is no understanding of why you're saying and doing what you're saying and doing. So again, I go back and I understand that you're just being a scorpion. And I'm not mad at that. Because I'm not a frog. And that's how easy it gets. And I see you smiling, so I see you, I know you understand. Yeah? And that's what this is all about. Understanding. Yo, Ruth, I'm sorry. Please. It's really not easy. <laughs> Let me just say that. So I was uh, getting gas at Ingalls yesterday, and while I was standing there pumping the gas, guy drives into the parking lot with his pickup truck with not one, but two ginormous Confederate flags flying Oh, you, you seen him too, huh? Trucks. And, and I, friend. I, I, meet, I thought, maybe I'll go in English and buy a, um, buy a Bic lighter. <laughs> and then I had this elaborate revenge fantasy like the whole rest of the day about finding out where this guy lives and, you know, all this stuff. But then later in the day, I was doing a, a compassion meditation where, where I was wishing that everyone be free from harm and that everyone be, be free from the intention to do harm. And I realized that I had been intending to do harm mm. to this guy. So it's really not easy. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> but you know, on the other hand, I'm not going to walk up to that guy and say, I love you, man, because he's going to think then that I approve of what he's doing. Right. Yeah. Oh. This is where the weirdness or the complexity comes in. Yeah. This is where the weirdness or complexity comes in. You know, and, and, it, and we then do the next step based on where we are in the moment. And what you'll find is somewhere, somewhere up the line you will find an appropriate way to interact with the guy with the two flags or the scorpion or the, you know, the ISIS guy or the Ku Klux Klan or the whoever. That's when we know that our stuff is working for us, when we got the mojo. No, it's not. He left his cup, cup of coffee on top of his truck one day, and he was pulling off. And I stopped him and I said, "Hey, what are you doing?" And he said, "I touched his cup, and you know, and I gave it to him." You know, and I promised, "Oh, you brought him." I said, "Oh, thank you." I said, "You so what? You know, so maybe I touch him a few more times. I mean, you just never can tell. You know what that to do with me?" 
probably shouldn't have touched this cup, though. You know, I, you know, maybe how it feels, but it really wasn't like a smart ass gesture. It was like, no, he got two flags, whatever. You know, but he it was just really helping him out, and he accepted the help. You know, some, sometimes you don't even get that. Well, we're assuming what he means by those flags. Yeah. We don't know why he, you know, could have nothing yeah. to do with racism. That could be, you know, I mean, there could be no. a lot of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it doesn't matter, really, because he's doing harm. Well, this is shifting a little bit back over to what Venerable said in that situation. And, and then also what uh, Panadipa said about we sacrifice for our family. And, uh, and as I was looking at that, it, that was a sacrificing of, I, yeah, I'll take care of this on the next time. I won't do that. And it's like, no, I, I, I was called to sacrifice ego in that moment. And one thing that came to mind as I was making that decision to make that call is the definition of sacrifice. And I was raised Roman Catholic, and sacrifice meant self-flagellation, you know? It was like beating yourself. And, but the actual definition of sacrifice is to make sacred. And that really settled in deep, and it was like, yeah, let's make this sacred. Let's clean this thing up right here, right now. And, and what I discovered, which was really sweet in that moment, was once I had made that call, the mystery of sacrifice is there's, the, if you take the old definition of it's suffering, making ourselves suffer, there is no suffering in that. When you make it sacred, it, there's a great lifting. For me, in that moment, there was a great lifting of something that was weighing me down. And so I'm so very grateful for this practice. OK. This is awesome. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.